So I'm wow. gonna say Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, <laughs> yesterday to someone and I have to keep it for two seconds two minutes yesterday um, my my air conditioner died and I have to have it and the people at PC Richard for whatever reason are amazing and they're replacing the air conditioner at at all costs to them none to us all we had to pay for was the warranty so I'm just waiting to hear from them because I can't wait to get it so I want to thank Brandon Angelo, John, and Rick, and everybody at PC Richard, because you actually care. Thank you so much. And now we're going to meet Abby Pierce. And you don't want to mess with this detective. And Dana Perry, a.k.a. R.G. Belsky, is here. Hi. So why did you pick a police detective and not a journalist this time? I said, I was wondering about that. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering about that, too. <laughs> I, uh, um, you know, there's a lot of things, as you know, Fran, that go into, you know, writing books. Yeah. And uh, and I've written, you know, a lot of books over the past few years. And in this case, um, uh, these books I write under the name Dana Perry, these aren't the Claire Carlson books that I obviously write in my own name. And uh, they have some, uh, I work with a place called Bookature, which is based in London. And uh, they really, uh, they have some really good editors and stuff there. And uh, my editor and I just talked about this idea that I always write about two things. I write about journalists and I write about New York City. I mean, every one of my books has been about Mm -hmm. that top, those two topics. And, uh, you know, they've had a lot of success in writing about not just police officers, but female police officers, you know, and, and they're very hot now. Like if you watched Mayor of Easttown and things like that on, on HBO that just was on this, you know, just wound up on Sunday. And uh, and also the idea that um, setting something in a small town as opposed to a big town like New York. So anyway, we, we just thought about trying this, and we sort of came up with this idea. Um, and then we had to pick a small town. I mean, even if you pick a fictional small town, and this is set in a fictional small town, it has to be based somewhere. And so you have to have some sort of knowledge of a small town. Mm-hmm. And since I've lived in New York most of my adult life, um, I picked um, uh, the town of Mar- I picked well, not the town, the island of Martha's Vineyard because uh, I spent, you know, I spent a lot of time there in the summers, mm-hmm. and um, and I know it. So. Uh, Like I know New York, I don't have to do research or try and find (laughs) stuff out. And uh, we set up a fictional town uh, called Cedar Cliffs, which is basically inspired by, like, the town of Oak. There's, like, three towns on Martha's Vineyard, and one of them is Oak Bluffs. 
And, you know, you, you can't set it in a real town because, you know, a lot of bad stuff happens in this town, and you don't want to suggest uh, that that's really happening in this town, in a small town. So, um, but it's, uh, you know, it's a fictional town on Martha's Vineyard. It's a whole different dynamic. It's really interesting because, um, mm. yeah, so she's she's not covering a story. She's actually the police officer investigating the yeah. crime. And uh, and then a small town is completely different, too. And if you know anything at all, or, you know, most people do know that Martha's Vineyard is this, you know, very, you know, peaceful resort island. And the idea of crimes, you know, uh, 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 teenagers going missing or murder and things like that happening on Martha's Vineyard is really shocking as opposed to it happening in New York where people sort of just assume that crime mm. is going to happen. So, I mean, uh, you know, when I was doing the research, there's, there's, I think there's been only two, uh, really two major crimes in the history of Martha's Vineyard. And one was some murder, woman that got murdered like in 1940 that was never solved. Mm-hmm. And the other, of course, was... <laughs> Was Chappaquiddick with Teddy Kennedy, where the you know where the yeah. uh, where the woman died in the car, which was you know wound up being you know a crime in the sense that he you know wound up going to court and everything on it, and it was um, that was obviously more of an accident. But those are the only two major things that ever happened on Martha's Vineyard until my book. And in my in my book, there's a lot of crime happening on Martha's Vineyard, which is kind of fun. Well, there's more people coming. I you know I read the book and I said I don't know I don't know if I want to go there. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> well, it's like yeah. you know, there's a little bit of the Cabot Cove feel to it. I mean, you know, you've got this yeah. little town where everybody's getting murdered, you know, and it's just uh, it's, it's like I say, it's a whole, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, our friend uh, John Land has written about that with Jessica Fletcher, yeah. and I've never done that kind of book. And this, this is, uh, but now the other angle on this is, of course, is that uh, you know the detective herself, whose name is Abby Pierce, and yeah. uh, she is not she. So she comes from Martha's Vineyard, but she's also been on the NYPD. So she's not this little small-town cop who's never done anything. She spent 10 years working with the NYPD doing all sorts of major murder cases and everything, and now she's back in this little town. So that juxtaposition play, plays a big big part in the book, too, obviously. Well, I like her, but she, she, she's no Claire Clawson, but she's getting there. She is getting there. That's all I could tell you. And you don't want to mess with this girl because I like her because she doesn't stop until she gets what she wants. Now, she works, where does she work, and who does she report to? But the problem is, is that her chief of police, what is wrong with him? I yeah. Um, well, he's kind I of a wimpo. I don't like this yeah. guy. <laughs> well, yeah, I like, you know, you always want some sort of conflict. And her chief of police, yeah. he's like a small-town chief of police, and he's had this job. Yeah. You know, he's been there forever, and he's basically the only crimes he's ever covered is things like, you know, stolen bicycles and, you know, people making too much noise on the beach and stuff like that. So he's he's kind of out of his element, you know, in a major crime, and he has to depend on on uh, Abby. But of course, uh, but of course, he's also resentful of that. Um, and there's a couple other uh, there's a couple other other factors here. One of which is yeah. that um, Abby was kind of forced on him. In other words, she she for personal reasons had decided to leave New York and come back to Martha's Vineyard, where she grew up years ago. And uh, so some of the political leaders in town liked the idea of this kind of you know high profile New York cop coming back, and so they gave her this, there's only like one detective on the Martha's Vineyard Force at the moment, and so they gave her that job, and, um, you know, without without consulting him, and so, you know, he's very kind of, you know, territorial about his job, um, and the other element here is, and this this is, you know, 
this plays a big role in the book, obviously, is, uh, you know, Abby has uh, got some problems in her life, and one of them is she's an alcoholic. She's been an alcoholic ever since yeah. high school, and she's had drinking issues. And uh, she actually has a drinking issue when she first comes back to Martha's Vineyard. And he's, so he's very wary of her because he doesn't, certainly doesn't trust her, uh, you know, that she's going to remain sober either. So there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of tension there. And then there's, you know, the other character, which I really loved writing, which, you know, I know you're probably going to ask about next. But is, uh, so there's another woman on the force named Tina Morelli. And Tina Morelli. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. another good female cop, but she was supposed to get Abby's job as the detective, but um, when Abby came in, so she's very resentful in the beginning of Abby and yeah. very hostile to Abby, but unlike with the chief, they they actually begin to bond and become friends, and uh, and so you know they they become partners, and they're completely different uh, people, which you know I I, they, I think makes their relationship uh, kind of interesting. That's after she stabs her in the back a couple of times and tries to get her in trouble. And in well, she time, doesn't actually. Uh, Abby believes she did, yeah. and Tina yeah. never did because Tina's basically like an honorable person. And uh, yeah. uh, she does. She confronts her because she, she thinks that someone has told the chief that she's been drinking, and she assumes it's yeah. Tina, and they have a confrontation. That eventually leads to them uh, sort of realizing that, you know, they actually kind of like each other, and and more more important that they respect each other. Well, let's talk about the missing person. This was really clever, and the ending was like, "Are you serious?" So Samantha yeah. Claymore is missing, and what's odd? It's very odd about it at the beginning, and her mother doesn't seem to have a very close relationship with her because she calls her Samantha, not Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, obviously it's a so the mother is um, the wealthy mm. uh, owner or runs this uh, cosmetics company, and they're very rich. And uh, uh, she's married; she's been remarried to a guy who yeah. is not there, but is there's certainly a lot of questions about him and his yeah. uh, his integrity. And the daughter is 16. Her name is Samantha, and she's like this heiress who's going to get this big trust fund when she's, I think, 18. And uh, you know, clearly she does not have a good relationship with her mother. And, and you know, I yeah, I point that out in the beginning of the book because the mother claims, yeah. oh, we have this great relationship, but she keeps calling her Samantha. And then when uh, Abby talks to um, a friend mm. of, uh, of of Samantha's, the friend says, call, keeps calling her Sam. And she says, oh, yeah, you know, like she, she doesn't like, she likes to be called Sam. Everybody, everybody knows that. People who know her call her Sam. And so that's like a, a tip-off, like that the mother is really not in tune with the daughter. And um, so there's all sorts of questions about the mother. And uh, and then, yeah, and then the girl, goes, the girl goes missing, and she remains missing, you know, for much of the book. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, But as Abby searches for her, she begins finding other things on the island that are going on, and it becomes more than just about that one missing girl. And, you know, we eventually get questions about other missing girls, and there's some murderers, and, but it's all pegged to this original, um, this original thing with the, with, uh, where the girl goes missing. And then the other, the other kind of subplot, mm-hmm. too, that, that Abby uncovers is uh, five years ago, um, Samantha's father, the, in other words, the person who ran the cousin yeah. company before the wife took it over, he died um, in a boating accident on Martha's Vineyard, too. 
and uh, the more the more Abby looks into this, she begins to have questions about what that's all about too. Was it really an accident? And mm-hmm. uh, so it just the whole the whole story, you know, it keeps expanding, you know, as as the book goes on, and and by the end you're you basically have this island that looks like it's a very peaceful resort town, but there's all these rich and powerful people that are hiding all these secrets on the island, and uh, and Abby is like ruffling a lot of fe- feathers by you know attempting to to find out the truth. Well, I don't like the stepfather, but this was well, no, really. No, he's not meant it, to be liked. I mean, I he's one character I really. Oh, okay, so no one else feel bad. He's horrible. <gasps> yeah, I wrote him. The mother, care. the mother is, I think, more sympathetic. She's just kind of screwed up. But the the, the stepfather is pretty. Uh, yeah, he's he's meant. There's no. There's not. There's not a lot of subterfuge with that. I mean, from the beginning, he he uh, he. Uh, you know, he. I I have like one scene in the beginning where he. Where he like looks at um, Tina and he looks at uh, Abby and you know basically is like uh, you know isn't there anybody else that can you know get involved in this case you know and the, the point being clearly that he's sexist and doesn't want these two women doing it and you know so from the very beginning he's um, he's he's clearly um, he's clearly not a good guy but you know that that doesn't mean he's a bad guy in the sense that. He's the he bad guy. Really, uh, he's he doesn't guy. really care that she's missing either. So no. get, this was really this was really cool, and I knew right away that this had to be something strange about the ransom note, five hundred and eighty-three thousand dollars. I yeah. said that had to be a reason for that one. We won't say why, but I know why. So, yeah. Abby, well, Abby, they get the ransom note, whatever. And then the stepfather comes with a bag of money, like he really cares. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what problem, and her husband, both of them are having, you know, financial problems also. Yeah. And that's so sad, really. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, so with the, uh, they get a ransom note uh, very early on uh, saying we have, we have the girl and, uh, you know, and I mean, the question is whether the ransom note is real or not. But it's a ransom note, so they first, you know, they have. There's no evidence, but the ransom note is saying we have her. And um, I actually um, was inspired by that, for, by a bit, by the real life ransom note in uh, the John Benet Ramsey case. You know, which I one of the journalists back in the 90s. And uh, that was a very strange ransom note too that was found at the house. And there was, you know, it was never really clear who wrote it or why or if they had, you know, because the daughter, the girl was then found, you know, in the basement, John Benet dead. But um, I believe that also had like an, an unusual number. And, and you know, I, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting because they're not asking for like, mm. you know, $500,000 or a million dollars. They're asking for 583. You know, it's a very specific number. And yeah. uh, that kind of sets off a red flag with Abby. She's like, well, why would they, why would they, uh, why would they do that? And then the other thing, as you point out, the, the, which, you know, so you have a lot of suspicious stuff going on. So when the husband shows up, he's got the money, like, in a briefcase or whatever, in, in cash. He won't put it in a bank like the police want he's like no i have my own security and then abby determines that the guy who's guarding the money for him is actually a um, a mobster that's been involved in you know underworld crimes so there's there's a lot there's a lot that Ab- that abby needs to sort through here to try and find out you know what's uh, what's actually uh, going on 
Well, we've got her new best friend. That's the girl that works at the ice cream place. Yeah, yeah, that's a real ice cream place, by like the way. I'm jealous that I can't, yeah, I can't that's have a real it. ice cream place. I couldn't even place. have it. Yeah, Bridget. <laughs> and I, I, uh, that's based on a real where I've eaten ice cream many times. And, I can't uh, have ice and, cream. Well, so, so she's, yeah, yeah, well, I, you know, I can't stop eating it. Anyway, uh, she, uh, <laughs> her name is Bridget, and uh, so she's like uh, uh, Abby's friend, and, uh, you know, on the one hand, uh she knows stuff about the missing girl, uh, Samantha, rather. She knows stuff about the missing Samantha that the mother doesn't know. But then, uh, you, you know, you sort of become clear as the book goes on that she's not, um, she's not, she, she knows more than she's telling. And there's she's not telling everything to Abby. She's telling yeah. some things. And Abby begins to realize that uh, she may be involved in some way, not in a bad way, but involved you know, like knows where Samantha is or why or something. And then she also connects uh, Abby with a, a boyfriend. So there's a, there's a mm-hmm. boy that um, that, uh, that Samantha had met named uh, Eddie, Eddie Haver. And then she – now, but you have to remember, mm-hmm. these are 16-year-old kids. So, I mean, this isn't like – you know, when we say a boyfriend and things, we're not talking about like it's like the summer. You know, these two kids met on the beach and they and they hang out. And uh, um, but these are the two people that Abby, um, that Samantha was the closest to. So Abby, you know, spends a lot of you know spends time talking to them, trying to get some kind of leads as to what's happening. And the boyfriend is the one who first tells Abby that Samantha before she disappeared had been raising questions about her own father's death five years ago. So uh, you then begin to wonder, like, well, wait a minute, did she ask too many questions about what happened to her father, and did somebody, like, maybe the new father decide to shut her up or do something, you know, to prevent her from talking about it? So uh, there's a lot of threads that Abby has to uh, follow here. I know. It's really sad, scary. Nothing, well, if if it came too easily, it would be boring. And that would not be good well, either. Yeah, that's the, that's that's that's, exactly that's really right. the trick in writing. It's like when you say the the stepfather is not a nice guy. Well, if he was a nice guy, then it wouldn't be very interesting, you know. And and you know, one of the yeah. things you need to do in a book, obviously, or, you know, the most basic thing is you need to you know uh, set up a lot of potential uh, suspects. And uh, that's you know that's always been the case. It's you know Jessica Flett, whatever book you read, Agatha Christie, whatever. It, it's mm-hmm. setting up a lot of potential suspects, and uh, and uh, some of them are the ones you think, you know, like the new father. But then there are other people that you may not think who aren't, you know, who are not what you believe them to be. And that's really um, that's really the hardest part. I, I think many times of writing a book, you you got to throw out a lot of the the suspects or red herrings and things like that. And but then at the same time, you need to play fair with the reader. You know, you can't just have somebody who's like. Uh, this terrific guy does everything right, and then the end of the book said, "Oh yeah, but you really killed this person." You've got to you've got to be able to set it up too, so that it when you read the end of the book, somebody goes, "Oh yeah, that makes sense. I see that now." You know. Well, I just finished a murder mystery. I won't say why about it, and the person has a different profession, and I think he should stick to it. I don't know if the publicist like what I wrote. But I didn't write anything negative, but I didn't post it on do. Amazon because I've never quite met, met read a, um, a, a book like that where the uh, the guy that's a detective or whatever the heck he is is a pompous butt, yeah, seriously. Yeah. 
And yeah. it was like more concerned about food, culinary, and history than it was about. I could tell I solved the murder faster than he did. And I and I and that was after the t- first ten pages. So yeah. Now another character that I had like a question mark, and she, I'm not sure about her yet is Meg, and she lets her know about three other missing girls, and how it in, might involve her stepfather, and the other person that hmm, I'm still not sure about him even at the end of the book is Lincoln Connor. Right. She wants to trust him because he's cute. But, you know, be careful. Yeah, so Lincoln Connor is a, a, a big-time Boston uh, TV reporter who shows up uh, on the island because the crime is so uh, sensational, obviously. And uh, he, uh, he uh, you know, he has a uh, – he has a, a confrontation, very much like uh, Tina, because, again, I, I mean, this is kind of the, the best when you're writing. Uh, when he and uh, Abby first meet, uh, it's very confrontational, and Abby, she, he asks her a very hostile question at the press conference. Uh, she, he tries to sort of hit on her afterwards, and she doesn't want anything to do with him. Uh, and, uh, you know, she thinks he's just a jerk. But, yeah, he's also very kind of charismatic and good-looking, and eventually uh, he kind of wins her over, and they, uh, and they have a... Uh, and they have a romance, and uh, so now it's a tricky romance because, you know, he's mm. covering the story and she's the lead investigator. So they have to be very kind of discreet because, you know, it's it's not really ethical for them to be sleeping together, but uh, they do. <laughs> so you know, that's the uh, that's the big romantic interest in the in the book for for uh, for uh, for Abby. Well. What can I tell you? And, and I should say, I should also point out that Abby, Abby has, Abby has been married. So Abby is, uh, Abby was married in New York, and she basically yeah. screwed up the marriage with her drinking. I mean, she bl- she blames herself. So, I mean, she's got a couple things that, you know, she's got a lot of guilt about stuff, and one of which is, and most of it involves her her alcoholic past and her drinking. Um, and you know, you know, if you know anything about being an alcoholic. Um, there is no alcoholic past. I mean, you're always an alcoholic, but it's a question of whether you're you're able to control it. And uh, so she uh, yeah. she has these two things in her past. One of which is uh, she screwed up her marriage because she started drinking, and not because she was unhappy in the marriage, but she just did. And then that wound up losing her husband. And so she's very aware of this in a new relationship. And the other thing that happened is um, her partner was uh, shot dead on the street. Uh, while she was standing next to him in New York City, and uh, uh, you know, even though she was not blamed for it, I mean, she was cleared by the police board. And mm. She she always has this guilt that um, because of alcohol, that maybe her reflexes hadn't been quick enough, and that she could have saved him, she could have gotten her gun out faster, and things like that. So you know, she's got a lot of uh, she's got a lot of things she's she's working through, which uh, prevent her from just falling into a a you know a a, re- a new relationship very easily um so she struggles with a lot of these things now the chief of police i don't know about this guy wants her to focus on finding samantha but she's got this thing about martin ellis and the death yeah. of norm so yeah there's a lot of going on up there and a lot of people that you're supposed to trust that are so sad so who, well, who well, on the one, police one of the force things, can she trust, and who yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, seriously? Well, that's normal today anyway. You know that. Well, uh, yeah, the police chief Some of it. will help. <laughs> and the guy you mentioned, so there's another, there's another, um, another, I guess you call it a subplot or whatever here, that um, one of the reasons she left, so she grew up in Martha's Vineyard, but then she became estranged from her parents and uh, and left when she was like right after high school and really never came back until now. And her parents aren't there anymore. And But... Um, the the incident what happened was um uh, you you discover at some point she she began drinking the night of her high school prom and she wound up getting drunk and she got raped and uh she believes and uh she believes that the um that the the person who raped her that she was raped at the house of this very rich man on the island, and this rich man on the island, this market, um, 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 Melvin Ellis, uh, soon becomes a suspect um, in other disappearing, uh, in other things happening to girls. And so, you know, Abby is very personally motivated to kind of bring this guy down. He's very rich. He's very powerful. Uh, she she believes that it, she was raped at his house after her high school prom. Oh wow! And no one ever no one ever did anything about it, and now she believes that other girls may have been abducted or sexually assaulted at that house too. So he becomes a big uh, part of her thing, and and you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I mean, it may not be the best thing, but I mean, it's it's like she has trouble being totally professional about it because she obviously has her own personal vendetta against this guy. And she really, really wants to bring him down, uh, not only for all these new cases she believes he did, but for what she believed happened to her back, you know, years ago. So she's she she has like a great deal of personal involvement. So that that that's good. What happened? We got a call back in. I don't know what happened just now. He just go. He just died over there. Let me see if I can call him back in. Uh oh. The 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 guy just his phone just died. Well, what is wrong with this thing? This is not good. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I didn't do anything, so I don't know. This is not good. Dick you have to call back in. I don't know what happened. I have no idea. I have no idea what happened just now. Fran? Yeah, what happened? I don't know. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I heard like a little beeping and then I stopped talking and I d- uh, I disconnected. there was no I don't one know there. What happened. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um this is, I'm not sure what this we're is getting, like blog talk radio. This is what goes on. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just heard a I heard a little beep and then uh yeah. and then you didn't answer me when I finished talking and I realized that we were cut off. So uh I'm not sure where we were, but if you want to start up again where we Okay, you I, got I got it, I got it. Don't worry about it. We we're gonna talk yeah. about who on the police force is is can she trust and tell us about Zach, and she was married to him. That's what you started to say. Yeah, and she yeah, hasn't so quite she gotten was, over him yet. He's really a nice no. guy. She was just yeah. an idiot to drink. 
Yeah, she basically screwed up the marriage, which is why she's, you know, concerned about starting a new relationship with this guy Lincoln Connor because, you know, she knows she was at fault for her marriage. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. It was her, and he tried to stay with her. Um, but, uh, yeah, so she – but he's um, he's kind of moved on in his life, and uh, so that's, that's, that's a problem for her. That's sad. So and in what terms of the police his- force – I was going to say, in terms of the police force, as the book goes on, she yeah. begins to question uh, not just the competence, but she begins to question whether, you know, other people on the force, like the chief, may have been actually involved in an active cover-up of previous crimes. And uh, she really gets to the point where she's, like, not sure she can trust anyone. And the only person she decides to trust is uh, is the, this woman, Tina Morelli, who used to be her enemy, but now is her partner, and, you know, she kind of takes this, you have to mm. trust, you can't trust your partner, you can't trust anybody. So she trusts Tina, but uh, she's not sure about any anybody else. Uh, she's not sure if there's just incompetence on the part of the chief or there's something yeah. more evil going on. Well, Tina, despite the fact that I don't really like her too much yet, uh, her powers of observation are pretty good. And she finds things, and she observes things, so she's not stupid. And the fact that she was smart enough to promote her to detective says a lot for Abby as a person, seriously. Yeah. So, well, there's a moment like, where there's a moment where the yeah. chief says you can have a you can have another detective to help you, and he gives him uh, he gives he gives a list of other people who, who Abby gets along with better than Tina, because at the moment she and Tina are enemies. And Abby says, no, I want Tina. And, and the chief says, well, why? I would think that would be the last person that you want. You know, you don't get along at all. Yeah. And and Abby says, I know, but she's, she's other than me, she's the best best person on the force, you know, because she recognizes her uh, her her ability. And, uh, and she's right. And, uh, you know, they actually wind up making a pretty good team together. Well, now we get to the three girls that were killed. There's two girls and one girl that's still around. Right. So you put in an issue that is really prevalent today, and that's sex trafficking. And that, yeah. That now, is, now is, is scary. You, you know, I write, I write a lot about, uh, I write a lot about, um, you know, rip from the headline stuff, as you know, and I sort of yeah. take stories that I've covered, you know, as a journalist, and I and I fictionalize them in some way, and you know, most of my stuff, either as Claire Carlson or or in these books. Um, you know, they're, 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 I do get inspiration from real life stuff, and and as the book goes on, and there's questions about whether other girls have been missing or attacked or been involved in some kind of sex trafficking, uh, the the um, the inspiration on that was, uh, you know, the the uh, the Epstein, uh, you know, the Epstein, uh, you know, scandal. Um, involving all the girls, you know, in his his mansions and island, you know, the island, and you know, mm-hmm. where he was taking all the girls and things like that. And I actually, I actually was a little bit more specific about that, comparing it to that in the yeah. in my original draft. Um, but I know the you know the editors and stuff were they didn't want to get it, you know, they wanted to make it like fictional and not get into the specifics of the Epstein case, and uh, and. Uh, so some of that, you know, I was, you know, I didn't, I didn't get so specific. But it's like that kind of a situation where rich and powerful men, and you know, there's all these stories about rich and powerful men that were friends with Epstein, and, and yeah. uh, that was the woman that they were, uh, 
they would, you know, these young girls would be brought to them, and, you know, there would be all this sex, and some of the girls were abused and things like that. And um, I, uh, you know, that that was kind of the idea of what I was trying to set up that might be going on here on this on this island. Uh, that you have all these rich and wealthy people, um, and uh, you know they're hiding all these secrets behind their mm. behind their mansion doors. And then one of them, of course, you know, Abby begins to suspect is the same man she suspects was behind her rape herself years ago. So you know it sort of all connects into this kind of massive. Uh, sex scandal that she winds up investigating and uh during mm. this of course the missing girl samantha is still missing so i mean throughout the book you know she's still yeah. looking for samantha but she's finding all this other stuff along the way that is you know turning it into an even it's even bigger case than just a missing girl and it involved a lot of other cases from the past that might have been written off as just like, oh, she was a suicide, but was she really was a suicide, or did someone kill her? You know, that kind of thing. I'm waiting for you to write a book based on the television show that I've become addicted to, Murder, Accident, or Suicide. And it's, 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 it's one of the, I have never read anything like it. I said, only Dick could write something like that. And <laughs> what, I what's it said, on? I, I don't know that one. I've never watched that one. It's on 81, and it's called Murder, Accident, or Suicide. And then my husband has this thing about watching serial killers. Yeah. So uh, he loves that stuff. I don't know why. And Snapped. But I watch that, and every single time he looks at me, he says, I think it's this. I say, no, you're wrong. I got it. And I get it every time. I can tell you who's guilty. <laughs> I mean, I, I watched well, one the other day, and I say, like, I was watching um, Criminal Minds, and I said, the sister did it. You could tell. She doesn't even care that her sister's dead. She's the one that did it. And he looked at me and said, how did you know? I said, oh, a couple of thousand books. What can I tell you? <laughs> now, <laughs> well, you know, you know so- uh, what's, what's a good um, – what I just finished watching, and an awful lot of people really liked it, and I don't know if you, you had a chance to watch it, but is uh, this HBO thing called um, uh, Mayor of uh, Easttown. With, um, he watches uh, that, too. That was really, and it's only seven, only seven episodes, so, you know, you really, yeah. it, and it's just a one season, so you can really get into it. And uh, a lot of that is similar, I mean, I'm, I mean, obviously wrote this book long before that came out, but watching it, a lot of that is similar dynamics to um, to my book, because basically, yeah. Kate Winslet plays this, this female cop in a very small town, you know, in eastern Pennsylvania, and she's got all sorts of personal baggage, but at the same time, she's trying to solve missing cases of missing girls and murdered girls and uh uh and I kind of really related to it because I'm like wow that's very similar you know again I wrote my book a year ago so but uh it's uh, it's some of the uh, same uh, same dynamics and there's an awful lot of there's an awful lot of clues and questions of who did what and uh, I have a, I know a lot of people were trying to figure out the ending and uh, no one I knew ever it was the ending was kind of a surprise yeah, he he watched it yesterday. He got me to watch it. I go, I'm going to tell you who did it, whatever. And um, he he finally pieced it together. So she got her job back. And I yeah, I was yeah. like, she okay. She loses her job about about the third episode of but then yeah, she, obviously I she gets it back. Yeah. He watches a few others that I can't stand. What can I tell you? Well, see, so that, we that, the most so- amazing thing about that show, though, of course, is they somehow make Kate Winslet look. Uh, like, like, as this dumpy, uh, overweight, yeah, uh, I know that's a middle-aged woman. She looks, yeah, she looks more like Cagney. 
Don't count me on Lacey. The other one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but but it's interesting. There's a couple of shots where she fixes herself up for a date, and then you know she's glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> you know so. <laughs> yeah, she needs more makeup and hairdo. What can I say? So tell us about she's. You know, Abby has a past, and she feels guilty about the death of her partner. Right. So tell us about Tommy, and why does she blame herself for not? Shooting right away. Right, right. Well, I, I touched on that. Yeah, I touched on that earlier. So, um, she and her partner are responding to a uh, shooting in the Chelsea section of Manhattan a few years ago, and uh, and you know she like adored the partner. She she was this great cop and everything, and and um, you know so they were partners, and uh, they believe that the suspect is holed up in a in a building and uh he's kind of a like a hothead he kind of like doesn't want to he's you know he kind of pushes the envelope and and he doesn't want to wait for the backup he says so well, i'm going to go in just cover mm. me and as he begins walking to the building she sees the glint of something in a window and she's not sure what it is she's not sure if it's a gun or if it's just somebody looking out the window and she hesitates before she mm. takes her own gun out and she hesitates, you know, be- before she can get the gun out, her own gun out, uh, someone fires from that window and kills him. Um, and uh, she's not, you know, she was not able to, you know, to protect him. And uh, so because she had been drinking in the past and it was known mm-hmm. she had an alcohol problem, they pol- there's a like a crime board investigation to determine if, you know, she was at fault in this. Um, and uh, and they and they they vindicate her. They say no, there's no way you could have done it. You uh, you, um, you 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 couldn't have reacted in time to save him. Uh, it's not your fault. It was just a tragic shooting. So she's vindicated by the police, but um, in her own mind, she's not vindicated because she she still harbors guilt because her yeah. is. Um, were you drinking that night? She said, no, I wasn't drinking. She was not drinking the night her partner died. But she had been drinking in the days prior to it, and her concern is is that the drinking had dulled her reflexes to the point to that, that if, um, you know, if she hadn't been an alcoholic, maybe she would have reacted a few seconds quicker. Maybe she would have gotten her gun out. Maybe she would have been able mm. to yell at him and warn him. Um, and so she doesn't know the answer to this, but she – so – like, she blames herself, and then, you know, there's also people on the force that blame her, because even though she's been vindicated officially, um, you know, there's a lot of people who don't want women cops on the street and stuff, and they're like, well, that's just another example of how, you know, um, you know, a good officer lost his life because he didn't have a, he wanted to have a woman as a partner. So she she has a lot of, um, it's a lot of issues she has to deal with, and there's never, there's never going to be an answer to it. Um, um, so uh, that, 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 that plays a big role. That and her mm. marriage are the reasons she eventually decides to leave New York and go back to Martha's Vineyard because she's hoping to kind of like live a simpler life there. And of course, when she gets there, she finds mm. out it's not simple at all because, you know, she's involved in this like incredibly sensational crime and she doesn't have any of the resources she had in New York. She's stuck with this little small town police chief and she has to do most of it herself. Well, before I forget, tomorrow, I never do three shows in one week, but um, this is the third one tomorrow. 
This is very sad. The author's name is J.F. Whitaker, and the title of the book is The Day Before I Died. And it's really mind-blowing. I can't believe he shared this story. On the 7th, Target acquired Don Bentley takes a special, takes the spotlight. On the 8th, I've never interviewed this hustler before, John Gilstrap. Oh. Crimson Phoenix. Yeah, he said yeah. yeah. I know so John. Like, oh I know John. I know John Gilstrap. He's a really interesting guy. Yeah. This should be interesting too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, he's a he's a, he's a, he's a cool guy. I've been on a panel or two with him, and I've been in some conferences with him. Yeah. Oh, that's good because he reminded me. I reminded him yesterday. He said yes, yay. On the tenth, we have David Richards, Electric Kingdom. On the fourteenth, I'm doing something I have never done before. This is a motivational speaker named John Brigger. The name of the book is Make Your Move, and he was on The View. And the person that asked me to do this is the father of the producer of The View. Hmm. Wow. Yes. So when John asked me to do this, I said, you're kidding me. And I read the book, and it's like interesting. For those dating, you might want to read this. It's interesting. What can I say? (laughs) On the 16th, Brian Silverman, Freedom Drop. Now Brian is what? another uh, another guy I know, um, and I haven't read his book yet. But uh, he's a he's a really he's a really nice guy. I've met him. Uh, I've had dinner with him and uh, been at some events with him uh, at mystery conferences. Um, and uh, uh, this little side story, which probably is not of interest yeah. to a lot of people, but uh, when I met Brian, I discovered that his father was somebody years ago his father was like one of the top magazine editors in new york uh, oh nice al al silverman he was al silverman and he was the editor of something called sport magazine which was a huge thing when i was growing up i read it all the time and i remember him he had all these wonderful writers and then so i met brian and he was like oh yeah that was my dad you know so he's a yeah he's a he's a he's a really nice guy and uh i'm, I'm actually looking forward to reading his book i haven't read it yet but uh, uh I'm, I, I have a feeling it's probably pretty good I'm not going to say a word. You're going to have to judge for yourself. All right. I don't know. It's my job. And what better way to end the month, this is really cool, than Tess Gerenson and Gary Braver for Choose Me on the 29th. And, yes, she asked for the review, the interview. I, I, she was the very first New York Times author I ever had the guts to email by myself and ask for an interview. She is one of the nicest people. And someone else that asked for an interview, I was... Well, I'm not shocked because I'm one of the few people she'll interview with. August 5th, Iris Johansson, The Bullet. And, yeah, this is, one, this is Iris at her best. So what happened? We know that Samantha's father Can I just, I just say, before, before, before we do that, I just want to say, I, yeah. I, one of the things that I have discovered, because I wind up doing a bunch of interviews of authors, too, you mm-hmm. know, for – uh, I'm like a contributing editor at the Big Thrill magazine, you know, for, for yeah. uh, the thriller writers, and so I want you wind up talking to a lot of big time writers, and it really is interesting uh, how many uh, really really big name writers, really famous yeah. people, that can be like really nice and and you know, and you run into a few bad ones too. You run into a few you know jerks, uh-huh. uh, but Tell I'm always it. like I'm always I'm always you know I'm amazed at how. Uh, at how, you know, sometimes people who, uh, I mean, like, one of the nicest people, and I had, like, a couple exchanges with her, I met her once, and uh, one of the nicest people I ever dealt with was the late Sue Grafton, you know, and uh, it would be like, you know, like, she doesn't have to be nice, because she's like Sue Grafton, she's got, like, this giant series, you know, um, and uh, it, it is interesting sometimes, 
people who are really successful can be really uh, you're you're surprised by how how they they're not full of themselves you know they're just like oh sure what do you want you know well Iris Johansson is amazing but I am quite well aware I have to rework the question seven times to make sure that she'll answer them she won't ask plot point questions and if it's oh, really? too in the yes she won't no you have to sort of like um, on the peripheral. So the book is about a pharmaceutical company that wants to kill someone, namely the person that invented the cure for something. And I have mm-hmm. to be very careful, like, what research did you do into this? Why does Big Pharma not want to find a cure? I, that, that won't give away anything in the plot. That's yeah, really yeah. Cool. And then she, yeah. she looks at them, and then she deletes what she doesn't want, and then I fix it because I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> um, you should have been there, I won't tell you what day, the other day when, oh, my God, yeah. So tell us more about Valerie. You know, Samantha was on the boat, and her mother made her go on it, and she's like me. I'm not crazy about going on the water either, and I don't particularly like motorboats. So how did she wind up there, and why would her mother do that? I like some, you know, I I don't know about Samantha. I don't know if I like her yet. haven't met her. Right. Uh, Well, she... uh... Well, you say Samantha doesn't like water. She doesn't like water because yeah. of the tragedy with her father. So she yeah. had been a uh, she had been a, a actually an excellent swimmer, and uh, and you know was on the swim team and everything and uh, in school. And then uh, once her once she was so she went on a fishing boat and it was more than a motorboat. It was actually a fishing boat with a with a somebody else piloting the boat and her and her father. And they went on this fishing thing and they there was a fire and explosion and. And the boat sank, and uh, the captain of the boat and Samantha both were able to swim to shore, um, but the father was, uh, you know, was lost at sea. And yeah. uh, because she was actually very close to the father, she uh, Samantha basically has this fear of water and won't go near water. Uh, but that that comes from this. Uh, you know, from this accident, and then, uh, I mean, it's not clear that the, I mean, you know, the bottom line is the mother did not go on the trip, and she, yeah. she was the one who set it up with the father and the little, and the, and, and Samantha as a young girl to go, Samantha would have been like 11 at the time, and, uh, and, you know, it's not clear, I mean, you know, you're the, you know, did, 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 if you think that the boat thing wasn't an accident, that it was, um, that it was, that it was a criminal explosion of yeah. some kind which which has never been the case you know the police declared it was just an accident but once um abby begins to suspect that it might not have been an accident then the question is did the mother know that when she let the daughter go and and you know one assumption is she didn't know because like she would be killing her own daughter so it's never clear uh, you know at that point but it's certainly one of the mm. one of the things that uh, abby has to consider but she does say at one point like well she can't you know how could she have known like it was going to happen? Because would she have sent her own daughter on that on that on that boat? And uh, so it you know it becomes a it becomes a a big question mark. Well, wait till they find out what else happens. And, and there are and, a few and, more un, unexpected things that happen that we won't talk right, about. Yeah, right. And I don't. And you I know, knew I don't that. I do said, I said, I said, this is really like oh my god, and it stems back from what what happened before. So. She puts it all together. What happens when Abby puts it all together um, and realizes the the truth behind 
who did whatever they did. Because there's a character that's way up there, but I'm not going to bring out the person right, because that right, would give it away. Right. Yeah, so yeah. what happens when she puts it all together? Well, there's a final, if, there's a big confrontation, and and you know, like yeah. with any mystery. I mean, I don't, I don't. I mean, there, look, there's different ways to to write mysteries and you know if some people do it with you know the boardroom or whatever the the parlor where you know the detective brings everybody in and you know you know goes around and names the killer you know kind of thing and it's all very cerebral but most of the books i write um including all the claire books and and um also you know this one and the previous dana perry books um they involve a you know it involves a confrontation where the where abby's life is in danger and uh, that's really what happens mm. toward the end of this book because uh, you want to up the up the stakes there where she you know she could it could cost her her own life and um and you have a a final confrontation with people and in and in that final confrontation yeah uh if i've done a good job in writing the book uh you know she's going to be confronting some people that may surprise you you know that may not have been you know uh uh may not have been like the the evil people that have been played out like i said you you know from the very beginning that the stepfather is a bad guy. I mean, there's no question oh, yeah. about that. And he's a bad guy. I don't make any effort to prevent he's anything but like this corrupt guy. There's also a whole backstory with him where his previous wife died of a supposed suicide by jumping off her yeah. penthouse balcony. But there's some question that he may have played a role in that and he gained financially from it. So he's clearly a bad guy. So that's not a surprise, but... Um, yeah, you need to you need to have some surprises, and you need to have some people that uh, Abby doesn't suspect who suddenly become suspects, you know, and and become bad people, and maybe the other way around, some bad people uh, who turn out to be not bad people in the end. So, uh, you know, and again, I don't want to get too into details there because that's kind no, of because there was an incident about. in her past that we won't talk about, and I had a funny feeling that when she approached us, she was going to be in shock when she find out, found out the truth. Now, she would go about the future time. Now, you're going to bring her back, right? Yeah, so there's another book, um, actually, with Abby Pierce. And, you know, like, Bookature likes to do the uh, books, you know, kind of close together. Uh, and uh, mm -hmm. that's the publisher. And uh, so I've just actually finished uh, writing uh, the second Abby has actually been submitted, and um, it's in the editing process now. And that'll be out in October. So uh, that's still still want a working title on that but uh, uh so this is out in june and then you know three or four months later you'll get another abby pierce book um and that'll be you know a whole new story uh, but obviously it's set on uh, martha's vineyard again and you're going to have some of the same cast of characters you're going to have tina and the police chief and mm -hmm. you're going to have lincoln connor back and you know uh -oh. stuff like that. but it's a it's a whole uh it's a whole uh it's a whole different story this is about a uh this is about a mass killing that takes place on the island where an entire family is wiped out for no apparent reason. And, oh, nice. uh, you know, again, again, I mean, that's page one of the book. You get five people dead at a, at a hotel, you know, and nobody knows why. And, um, uh, you know, that, I mean, <laughs> again, you know, one of the things about writing these books that's different from New York where you think, okay, well, there's a lot of crime, uh, you know, in back-to-back -back books, you know, um, uh, Abby has to deal with the fact that these like incredible major sensational crimes are taking place on an island where it never took place before and and you've got to you've got to sort of uh, try and explain to some degree it has to be a suspension of belief but there's also 
this suggestion and it's raised at times like you know did 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 Abby bring problems with her kind of thing like you show up and suddenly all this crime suddenly starts taking place but uh um you know but again i think i think that it's kind of it's it's kind of like you know Cabot Cove you know like you know are there really yeah. 400 people are going to die in a little town that's got a thousand people of course not but uh uh you know but a great part of the second book is the town being in shock over the fact that right after they had this last sensational case yeah. that suddenly there's another huge crime thing cuz you know, people go to Martha's Vineyard to get away from all that. They go for that's exactly right. And, yeah, you know, and and it's it's this wonderful. Like I said, there's only been one unsolved murder in the whole history that I think of Martha's Vineyard when I did the research. There really isn't a lot of major uh, major crime that takes that takes place there. Well, I have a complaint against Bookature. They better come out with a with a uh, print copy before October. Now I have the one that that well, they you sent know, me. Can, well, you know, it's a good thing I got it. It's a good thing I printed it out because I never would have been able to read it. And I read it in one day, by the way. I just sat down well, there one day and just sat down and read it. And I go like, actually, they they printed it out in large print. Yeah. And bound it. And the book weighs more than I do. And I was very happy to sit on my chair and just read it. And I said, <laughs> no, this is really cool because I could. The print was large. <laughs> so well, let me let me. Let me explain. Uh, so, Pocatcher is is really it's a big, a really big, big public, and, and they have a yeah. tremendous impact in America. They they sell a lot of books in America. I mean, it's not even though it's British. Uh, like my books are for sale on both Amazon UK and then Amazon here. But yeah, they, I see that. Know, they sell it everywhere. It's a big, big, really great company. It's just based in London, but. What they are, and this, and this is, I know this doesn't make you happy, is their their focus is not on, you know, they only do what they call it like print on demand. They print some copies up, but that's not really what, they're not like selling it, they're not pushing it in bookstores and things like that. They're doing mm. two things. They do it very well. Number one, they're doing it uh, online. You know, most of their books, their bestsellers are all online. Kindle Kindle books, and the other is Audible. They do, you know, they do. All these books are in Audible for mm-hmm. people who like. I've never been able to listen to Audible because I just I get distracted. But but, uh, but they so so Audible and and Kindle is uh, and they sell them very cheap. Like uh, right now, Her Ocean Grave um, is uh, selling for like ninety nine cents online on Kindle. It's really cheap, and then and then generally they go up to like two ninety nine at some point. But it's much cheaper than a lot of other things. And mm. the great thing about that for an author is it gets your book out to a lot of people, and people, you know, are willing to check it out and things like that. But they don't. They they're not like they're not they're not focusing on getting the book into bookstores. They, they, what you're getting is mm. print on demand. And I, you know, people should know that you and I had a lot of discussions about this with you yelling and at me and say, where is my copy? And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying. And uh, I just want you to know, friend, that you got your copy before mine because I didn't get my copy until you uh-huh. made the print copy. So, <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, I got, it is yeah, beautiful. And, it's but, beautiful, uh, let me tell you. But, but I, fortunately, fortunately for me, the, an awful lot of people out there who don't share your uh, dislike for Kindle, and there are a lot of people who read on, on Kindle. And yeah. it's great, you know, from an author's point of view, it's great because – you can sell a lot more books because you know it's always cheaper on Kindle, and it's also easier for people to buy it because you know you can buy it with one click on your computer, as, and then you don't have to wait for the book. Um, so I know you disagree, but um, but that 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 
it clearly is a big part of where publishing is headed, and, and Bookature is really, really focused very much on on. Um, yeah, I can't. On I can't read on my computer. Yeah. My eyes start to bother me, and they start to burn, and then my ophthalmologist will yell at me and say, why don't you have the print? The problem also is um, Dennis Palumbo is coming out with a brand-new one in September, and they're not doing any kind of – I said to him, only because it's you, and of course it was you, I said, I will print out the PDF. They won't even send that. So what I did was I I pre-ordered it, because the, the show is the 27th, and the book mm-hmm. is coming out right before my birthday in September. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to buy the book. And when I thought about it, I said, it's $17 to buy it, but if the book is 400 pages, it'll cost me $100 to print it out. So yeah, it was definitely yeah. definitely worth buying it. So you know, sometimes well, you know, I have no choice. I just well, you know, do Dennis, it. Uh, Dennis Colombo and I have been in uh, touch. Uh, oh, he's great. We've been exchanging things, and I didn't know. I met him once briefly at a conference. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. I'm really looking forward to the next when we can go to talk to him. I never knew he was a screenwriter, or maybe the screenwriter. I'm not sure exactly, yeah. but he was one of the screenwriters for one of my absolute top movies of all time called uh, Her Favorite Year, or My Favorite Year, with uh, uh, you know, which was done, I think, probably in the mm. 80s or He's whatever. My- with Peter O'Toole, and it's a hilarious movie, and he's the screenwriter for that. He's a phenomenal psychotherapist, and every time I need to talk about something, I know who to ask. <laughs> so he's, yeah, the book is yeah. called Panic Attack, and I want to schedule another show with him in, our, in um, October because a lot of people I know are having them, and they don't understand how to deal with them. I think everybody has one once, once in a blue moon. What can I tell you? But well, I mean, uh, listen. Uh, you, you've got a lot of people I like that you've mentioned. So if you, if we ever doing another, if you, next time you're doing a panel we are show, doing one. You want to do Columbo? I mean, Palumbo and Silverman or any of those people. They'd be fun to hang out with. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. You know what? I'll schedule one in October then, and I'll let you know because great. Um, yeah. Dennis is great. I'll have, I'm going to interview Brian now that we figured out which questions he wants to answer. Um, okay. I'm doing one with Vincent Zandri. David another, he said, no, he's another he's another guy I've just recently met. I don't know if I did your I think I did your show with him too, but I also did Marsha Casper Cook's show with him. Um he's another ocean view he's another ocean view. Oh he's author. he's he's yeah. he is so great. He is absolutely great, Vincent Andrew. Besides he thinks I'm yeah. a cool kid. What can I say? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's it's him and David McCaleb and um where is my phone? Two others that are that are coming on. I have like four people on that one, mm-hmm. and it it should be it should be interesting. We're going to talk about the beginning, middle, and end, and how do you write the middle of your novel without putting Fran to sleep? Because that is the hardest part for yes. people to write. Oh, believe so. me, believe me. I I have talked about this yeah. endlessly. It's like uh, when you're in the middle of a novel, you as a writer, you yeah. you, you, you most writers, and I know other really great writers have said this too. It's like you have, you like, I don't know how I'm going to oh, do this. Here it I don't is. know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, um, and you got to get to that point where you're then suddenly, you know, you're finishing the book. So, no, that middle, the middle is the killer part of any book, you know. It's Vincent Zandry, Charles Salzburg. I think John Lansing said yes, and David McKillop. Well, those are all, those are all, well, I don't know David. The rest of those are all people I know really well. I know Charles, of course, and I know... David uh, is great. He was just on yeah. my uh, my broadcast of um, 
his for his for his vestment scale, and he was really. I met him a couple of times at the Thriller Fest, and when I stood next to him, I really felt little because he's about nine feet yeah. huge. He's tall. He's so tall, and I'm like, I'm so tall too, right? Four feet. Well, remember that. Remember Five the days feet. where you could meet people, and you know, I know Thriller Fest is yeah. still virtual again this year, but there there is going to be. Um, there's going to be a voucher con, and uh, I, I, I don't know how many. I mean, a lot of people are planning on going, but, I mean, we don't know what it will be like. And, you know, hopefully the world will be a better place in August. You know, we can all go. I just hope that they have. I know that the Hyatt is closing. They're supposedly yeah. this is the last year or something. So I'm hoping that when they have the Thriller Fest that they do it up in Westchester. So I could just drive there. <laughs> no, and play, no, yeah, no, 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 I like it. Not Manhattan. It was... It was it was one subway stop from my apartment. It was great, you know, because I live I won't Union tell Square you what it cost and, uh, me just yeah. to get there. It cost me like a yeah. hundred and some odd dollars for the cab just to get yeah. there. Oh, I can go to the yeah, I take a car service. I can go to Westchester. Yeah, I can go to Westchester. Westchester. I can drive to I mean, I have to talk to Kimberly Hall about this. What can I say? So before we end, um, so you said October. When in October is this new one coming out? I have to put it in my schedule. My show's booked until the end of forever. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know the specific. Uh, I don't know the specific. Uh, like I said, the process. The book is still in the process of being edited. You uh, let me know. I did. Yeah, and I did the first editing version, and uh, I'm waiting, uh, waiting to hear back from the editor. But she did say to me in the last thing that uh, mm. that pub pub date is scheduled for October. So when I know more, I'll uh, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let, let me you know. know. Like I, I say, have... I was going to say what you know. Bookager is very much. Um, uh, they, they move much more, you know, like like a lot of places, they'll be like a year in advance, they'll be all oh, the pub yeah. date is, you know, October. Bookature kind of moves, you know, very quickly, and uh, I'm not even sure they have a specific date. If they do, I don't have it, but when they do, I'll let you know. Well, my book is coming out June 26th, Population Zero, and I am, like, shocked because they sent me 70, I got 75 copies of the book. They're gone they're gone, literally gone. Wow. Okay. Um, That's good. Yeah, I, I, well, I paid for them. I only paid the $2 a book, which was great. So I, I walked into um, one of the urgent cares just to say hello to somebody for no reason, and all the girls took it. They were having a reading party with the book, and the doctor read it. I walked okay. into Rite Aid, and they, I, I could not believe how many people asked. I, I put it outside my neighbor's door, and she read it, and she said everybody on the floor wants it, so I had to give her 10 copies. Mixed reviews, wow, but I don't wow. care. A lot of people are reading it. And then I went into um, Trader Joe's, and I didn't have a population zero. I had What If, the one before. The lady went crazy. The, the cashier said to me, oh, my God, if I could give you everything for free right now, I would. She was so excited. I go, like, really? Okay. Well, did, so, I don't know if we talked about this on my uh, on the last time I was on, but you, mm-hmm. you know about my uh, – my fame this month was uh, that I was on this uh, Netflix series uh, about Son of Sam. I think we talked yeah. about it, but uh, yeah. And uh, ever since then, it's amazing. I'm only on like, you know, I have a couple. I'm like a talking head, uh, and uh, on Netflix talking about Son of Sam. And everywhere oh, I go, nice. I mean, people are like, like, oh my God, I saw you on television. <laughs> you know, so it's it's funny how that you know certain things really re- people relate to. But it, it is nice to walk into a place and uh, people go like, oh my God, you're famous you know <laughs> it doesn't happen to me that yeah well now when yeah. i mention you to people on you know they'll, they'll say to me how um how are you doing or you know what who are you interviewing and they say you know rg belsky dick belsky dana perry oh i know who that is um blah, blah. and some of the famous people they don't know 
<laughs> they don't know. Go. <laughs> I go like, how could you not know? But anyway, right. it's beautiful outside. Yeah, it's I'm going to go out as soon as I get off the phone with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Me too. I'm going to do that also. I'm going to actually get some air. Um, I want to once again thank the people at PC Riches. I do hope I get my air conditioner soon. And thank you for taking they, – they gave us the full credit for the whole thing. I could not yeah, believe I'm that. A, I'm a big – I'm actually a big PC, PC Richards fan, too. I've had, like, really good experiences yeah. buying stuff from them. So, so that's like a free that plug too. for PC Richards from both of us. What can I say? Yes, that's right. They really are nice. And um, thank you, guys. And thank you, Dick. And uh, I'm going to see if I could set up a, a, a whatchamacallit panel in sure. October with you and Brian and anybody else you tell me you want me to do it with. Oh, Dennis. I can do that. Okay. Everybody have a great... Yep, I'm listening. Thank you so much, everybody. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Bye Bye-bye, friends.